Welcome to The Bucket Problem, episode 52. We are, as always, presented by Homefield Apparel and PointsBet. We're a proud member of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and we are a Meet at Midfield production. Joining me today, Taylor Fulton of Meet at Midfield and The Bucket Problem, and Meet at Midfield's Kevin Harish. Uh, Kevin, how you doing? First time on. I'm I'm doing great. You know, it's exciting to be, I mean, this is our first, what, week as co-workers? So yes. that's fun. Yeah. No, it's uh it's been a good one. You uh, know, I I I have known of your existence for a long time and <laughs> had oh had something had something somebody gone back in time and told me that in the not so distant future we would be coworkers, I would think something terribly has has gone terribly wrong. <laughs> so I, it, it's just a wild turn of events that we are we are here where we are. I have a very similar uh, feeling with uh, uh, joining forces with DJ, uh, who was uh, <laughs> right? very much a persona non grata at uh, MGO blog for uh, pretty much as long as I was there. Uh, but it is, uh, you know, we have uh, mended some fences, built some bridges, and uh, that's kind of the spirit of the site a little bit, you know, and uh, also, you know, the combativeness may also be part of the spirit of the site. Who knows? <laughs> I think that uh, yeah, the we'll collective violence, the collective violence of, of all these posters come together uh, is really what makes the site. I think that's what makes it really beautiful. Yes. Um, Taylor, I was going to ask how you're doing, although um, I have a bad feeling considering the, the news that has come down over the past 24, 48 hours. Somewhere we in will, there. We'll get there. We'll get yes. there. I, I'll, I'll let, I'll let it, you all have like your good big moods and like your your warm feelings first, and then then we'll dive in. Well, uh, <laughs> let's start with Kevin then, because I, my big mood is no longer good. Um, Kevin, uh, you know, you wrote a piece this morning um, in the uh, the morning kegger on kind of your experience with being a credentialed media member and how on our side we're not relying on that and we're happy to not be relying on that um and figured this would be a good chance to let you elaborate on that because i 100 percent in the same boat as somebody who spent a long time being credentialed both for football and basketball yeah i think it's an important conversation to have because i think like most sites are not credentialed they're not credentialed like bloggers or podcasters or whatever that like they might say that they're fine not being credentialed but the reality is if they had a chance to be credentialed they would immediately you know do anything they could to, to get in the press box and stuff like that but what you're looking at with this site is i mean i think most of us are or have been credentialed or easily could have been credentialed at whatever outlet we were at um and so and i mean frankly could have had other jobs that would keep us in the press box and stuff like yep. that so really it, it it's an active decision on all of our parts to not be credentialed and to not have that being a part of our our really our business model or the way that we cover the team um, or teams in, in this case. But I, I think that it's a, a really important conversation to have because like I, I mentioned it, it was somebody that like kind of clapped at me on Twitter about like, oh, you guys have no access. It's like, well, I think like access and credentials are not the same thing. First off, like being who we are and like being who we know and you know how we know how to get information and stuff like that like we have plenty of access we're not just like random bloggers that are like you know logging on for the first time to talk about the bucks or the wolverines or anything like that <laughs> um 
you know, like we, we are, believe it or not, experts on some level at what we do. Um, we're just choosing to do it in this avenue because frankly, like credentials at, at, at least Ohio State, I, I cannot speak for, for Michigan's experience. Um, obviously, I'm sure you guys can, but at least at Ohio State, credentials don't get you a whole lot. Um, you know, I, I mentioned it gets you, you know, a press box seat, which is the equivalent of like a C-deck ticket that you can get for like 30 bucks, 10 minutes yep. before game game time. <laughs> and it gets you a a trip to the uh, post-game press conference, which is notoriously terrible because the, I mean, nobody's had time to digest what the game even was at that point. So um, at least from Ohio State's perspective, like I could go to the, I could still tomorrow go to any um, media availability I wanted. I could go to Ryan Day's press conference. We don't need to be credentialed for that. So um, there's just a lot of things that like, I I don't really think that the average person realizes what a credential gets you, um, at least on a big beat like this. You know, like if if I was covering like Arkansas State or something like that, it would probably be a much bigger deal because I didn't have access to, um, you know, things like the, the press conference being streamed live all the time. But the reality is it, it's just not necessary. And more than that, it kind of like boxes you in. Um, and, and whether it's not, I don't think at, at Ohio State, we were never like straight up told, don't write this or don't, you know, say it anything. It rarely works about this that player. way anywhere. Yeah, exactly. But it's just like, if you write something mean about the coach, then you have to go and like talk to the coach. And it's the same thing why people are like nice to their coworkers when they might kind of hate them. Like, <laughs> you know, you don't want to, you don't want to say something mean or say, be brutally honest or something like that. And then have to like, go continue to work with them. And to, there are, there are plenty of journalists and columnists that are great at doing that. And I admire them for that, but like, it's hard to do. It really is. Like, it's hard to be honest and have a positive relationship with people. And so we're not really gonna have to worry about that. Um, we're not gonna have to worry about professionalism on a lot of levels. <laughs> um you know, we we've, we've done do that we already. Do. It's it's overrated. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That that and, and like that's that's really the tagline here is like we've done that already. It's overrated, and we mean that. It's it's not like we're not like jealous of these other outlets. We're not like clamoring for a credential or anything. It's like genuinely, we're completely fine not being credentialed, and we'll wear it as a badge of honor if we want to. Absolutely, and there's, I mean, there's it. We're not saying there's not a place for credentialed outlets with access. We need those. Um, that's just not what we're doing, and we're right. glad to not be doing it, especially since there is a natural trade-off between uh, having access to a subject and having to have certain topics be off-limits if you're going to maintain that access, um, at least in terms of being, you know, like, they're, they are very rarely at any school, Michigan, Ohio State, wherever, going to kick a reporter off the beat. Uh, no, there is, I mean, <laughs> it has happened. Yeah. I, Mich- I, Michigan's I, done it to people who were never actually on the beat. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I mean, we, we, we joke about Buckeye scoop and stuff like that on our end. Like that, that literally happened last year. But that, that's just a wild story in itself. But yeah, yes. I mean, it happens. But you're right. It, it takes something truly special for that to happen. But it, you know, especially at these larger schools, there are a lot of reporters, a lot of credentialed outlets, and also a lot of people who have been there for a long time. Uh, I mean, at Michigan, Jim Harbaugh is talking to reporters that, you know, he might have been around shortly after his playing career. Um, So, like, it's, for people like us, like, uh, I mean, you know, in our 20s and 30s, uh, we kind of had to 
choose on our way up like do we want to be these reliant on access journalists which means a lot of being at all of these press conferences for one thing mm-hmm. i mean you really have to make your presence felt and also um it takes a certain personality type that i don't have <laughs> yeah well and and i think i think me and you particularly like we really towed that line a lot you know i i think yeah. like i i was a blogger but also like wrote serious things sometimes and would go to like press availabilities and stuff like that like i don't think anybody who was an actual beat writer like took me seriously but also like i couldn't go like full dj unhinged because i you know still like had a working relationship with all of the professional things too and so i think that's just kind of one of those things where if you're like dipping your toes in both waters like you're kind of bad at both jobs yeah it's it's a very difficult line to walk and especially on the uh the blogging side i mean i just kept perpetually getting pulled closer towards where i'm at right now but then it made walking into the press box sometimes a little awkward because it'd be like yeah like we just kind of flamed each other on twitter earlier this week (laughs) and i know that's probably not professional or appropriate but um like i also don't think you didn't deserve it so right (laughs) like and like somebody had to say it so we're the people who all think somebody has to say it and then say it. <laughs> and right. that might make us assholes, but it doesn't make us wrong. And uh, I, th- I think that's kind of a part of this too. But I mean, not that we're trying to be assholes, but like, it, I think there is a certain side of sports media where like coverage is lacking because uh, access is required or people think that access is required to, um, have complete coverage of a program and especially when you're around these programs that already have you know press conferences up on the school website within minutes of them ending and uh dozens of reporters on the beat like i don't think people at home realize how little they're missing compared to what even a beat reporter could get unless you're one of a small handful of people yep who's really putting in a lot of hours hanging around the building, right. rubbing right. elbows with staff and like a lot of staff and not right. just like you get to talk to Jim Harbaugh. Like it, you got to work your way up. So like, well, it's, it's a whole thing. It's a whole different and world. He, and at Ohio state, even like I, I just to reiterate that credential does not equal access. Like there are like completely not plugged in reporters that are credentialed. And there are some of the most plugged in people on the Ohio State beat. They don't go to games. They don't go to media availabilities or anything like that. But like when they'll drop like information, I'm like, I pay attention because I know that these guys know people. And, you know, so it, it's just like a, a credential is just not that important. It, it just is not. Um, that, it, it is important for some people to be credentialed. And um, I, I think that that information is important to get disseminated, but it's super saturated. There are way too many people that are giving you that information. And I mean, I- I'm sure this is the same way at Michigan, but like during a press conference, you just scroll through Twitter and you see like 10 accounts tweeting the exact same quotes. It's like, I'm not missing anything. Like you can get this entire press conference on Twitter for free without even giving any effort to like listen to the stream or anything like that. So there- there's just like, and to be clear, like somebody needs to do that. But I just think that there are way too many people doing that and far too, far few, too few people doing what we're you know trying to do here. Yeah, I mean, it was different when social media didn't exist and everybody got one newspaper and you didn't have the Internet. And uh, I think journalism has been uh, sports journalism, at least, has been a little slow to kind of adjust to the reality that you 
don't need a group of 50 people in one press conference. Uh, that That's just wildly unnecessary. Um, yeah. And you don't need all of those people. And, I mean, and let's be honest, like being in the press box, I certainly felt this way, was a certain level of status. And uh, mm-hmm. it was just cool uh, at a certain level, especially as somebody who grew up as a fan of Michigan and going to games in that stadium. Like, it was it was fun. It was, it was oh, yeah. interesting, but uh, yeah, I also and, and enjoyed that, the other, the other side of like not having to go to every game <laughs> has <right>. been nice. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the, the press box is for, for me, it's not for you. Like the, it's not for the people that I'm writing for. Like it, it's for me. I think it's cool. Also, like if, if I could get like, if all out sequel, I would sit in the press box and have, you know, the free food and the great view and the air can like, it's great. It, it truly is like it, it it's great, but like it's for me, not for you. Like I'm not getting anything special for being up there. Like truly, like it's 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 almost like a reward for just doing the grunt work. But you know, yeah. it, it it gets to a point where it's like, is this worth it? And it's not really because also I can just sit on my couch and you know watch the game in HD on a gigantic TV. Like <laughs> it's just fine. Well, unrelated to that, I I think one of the big things that I felt like I was missing during the time when I was credentialed in uh, going to every home game and a handful of road games was all the other games going on for most of the day, because being at the game blows up your whole day. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that is like a, uh, you know, even if you live relatively close, you know, like a seven, eight hour commitment bare yep. minimum. And um, for especially our style of things where, you know, we want to have our finger on the pulse of, what's going on all around the big 10 um, and at least have an idea of what's going on around the country. It's really hard to do that from a press box. You get pretty dialed mm-hmm. into one program and how the teams played against them in yep. those specific games where they played the team you cover. Um, yep. And that can provide a pretty limited view of things. And I certainly and he- found in the past that I was leaning too hard on the games that I attended in person, instead of acknowledging that that was uh a, a limited sample of things. Right. And I, I think you even see that like reflected in how, you know, all American teams are voted for and Heisman voting and stuff like that. Like the biases are real. And it's not that they're like, it's not that people like love certain teams or like are favoring certain teams. It's just what you see. Like, I, I don't think people realize just how locked in and how hard it is to just keep a pulse on everything going on. When, like you said, these games are like an eight hour commitment. Yeah. I mean, I'll admit I, uh, I have much less of a, a read on Pac-12 football, and it's going to be interesting when UC, USC and UCLA join, just because uh, yep. I, I don't stay up as late as I used to. <laughs> like, right? And it's and it's just harder to pay that close attention when you're at the end of a you know a twelve fifteen hour day of watching football. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, anything else before we uh, um, start? <laughs> getting the whole messed up stuff uh, oh no i'm 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 ready for this i to, to to preface this i have not paid attention as the ohio state guy i have not paid attention to the story that we're going to talk about nearly as much as i probably should even um i've also been like kind of out of town and traveling so w- i'm going to basically be reacting to this as they're talking about it so Which is this is going to be just delightful this is an ideal setup for this because uh some of this is definitely going to be shocking even for somebody who's uh jaded about college athletics um so my big mood was initially going to be uh mel tucker uh tweeting out uh how he's nf tuck uh <laughs> and uh with the whole video 
and he really is making NFTs and selling them, I guess, to raise money for charity, um, probably as a way to make it so we can't make fun of him for this, which we're going to ignore entirely because uh, why would we do that? Um, but no, it's I mean, it was hilarious and is uh, it's great that he's getting in on this like after the crypto bubble burst. I, th- I think it's just beautiful timing on the part of Mel Tucker. And um <laughs> Thanks to everything that Taylor is about to talk about, uh, I had about three minutes of enjoyment of that today before, like, just going right back into uh, just all the crap that Michigan has thrown at us over the last 24, 48 hours. And we should note, it is 8 o'clock on Thursday night, um, August 4th. Mel Tucker is still employed by the University of Michigan as Mel far Tucker? as I or sorry, Mel Pearson, <laughs> Mel Tucker, not employed by U of M, definitely employed by Michigan State and getting handsomely rewarded for it. Um, Mel Pearson, still employed by U of M. Uh, that should probably not be the case, especially since he doesn't have a goddamn contract. Uh, Taylor, more from you. <laughs> Hi. Yes. Uh, live from the posters dojo, which is my um, walk-in closet underneath this um, stairwell. I I'm here with my big mood and it is not pretty. Um, so Michigan, um, the Michigan hockey investigation was released on Tuesday. Um, reporters got a hold of it, um, took a look at it, and it is also public information. So you can now find it. Um, I have written about it for mid- meet at midfield. Um, I believe it should be coming. It should be out already by the time you hear this. Um, but if not, it should be out soon. Um, a few outlets have the link to the entire 70-page situation if you really want to read it. I recommend not doing that because I did read it. Um, yeah. I read every, I read every this word. This is why journalists are here. You don't have yeah. to read this. Yeah, yeah. I And I don't consider myself a journalist by any standard. I've never been credentialed. Um, I just happened to write a lot and never shut up. And somehow I ended up here. But that said, I did read the entire 70-page document. And there are some... You're now a um, journalist. Congratulations. <laughs> once, once you read a document, once you read a legal document, you become a journalist. I'm yes. pretty sure that's how it works. Um, so here's how it goes. Um, it, in summary... There, there's some good news and there's some bad news. Um, and by good news, I mean good news in terms of technicalities. The good news, <laughs> I don't even know how to call it good news, but like <laughs> for Mel Pearson, <laughs> for, for Mel Pearson, there is good news. Um, the investigation has concluded as um, done by Wilmer Hale, who, again, we should never know the names of legal firms that conduct these yeah. types of investigations. That's a, like, that's a great aside here is like, if you know the name of a legal firm, like something has gone terribly wrong. Yes, because Wilmer Hale also did the Anderson investigation. So we're, like I said, like I said, I think last week, sponsor us, Wilmer Hale. We are (laughs) the bucket problem sponsored by Wilmer Hale. Um, We talk about you so much. We're we're fans of your work. Um, Anyway, so that report got released. The good news, I guess, for Mel Pearson um, and bad news for everyone else. So if you're Mel Pearson, there's good news and bad news. If you're everyone else, there's bad news and worse news. So the the first part of the news is technically the investigation, um, which the scope was to determine whether or not um, Pearson's retaliation against Steve Shields, um, the former volunteer 
director of player development. He was in a paid role, no longer in a paid role. Um, Whether or not he was retaliated against based on his reporting of a sexual, um, sorry, um, gender-based discrimination um, and treatment of female um, employees in the hockey department, um, as well as um, some some other things. I believe the other thing that fell within the um, Title IX policy, more or less, was that uh, retired director of hockey operations, um, Rick Bancroft, was aware of um, abuse at the hands of Robert Anderson. So those were the two main issues that Wilmer Hill was tasked with investigating independently on whether or not um, Pearson, in retaliating against Shields, terminating his position, um, constituted yeah constituted a violation of those policies. Um, it did not. So basically, Wilmer Hale said, hey, um, we have the policy, we use the policy within our scope, and no, um, Pearson's actions did not do that. However... <laughs> There it is. Um, however, uh, Wilmer Hale uh, made plenty of notes um, suggesting that he did retaliate against Steve Shields. It just wasn't retaliation per the Title IX policies. Um, so it's still bad. So I basically, don't know how that works, but it, cool. yeah, especially if this does not feel, feel fall within. Uh, I mean, I guess I do not know Title IX inside now, but uh this was very direct retaliation against somebody for just like standing up for their own players. Yes. Um, so, so the way it was framed, it was like, not necessarily that it was retaliation because of the reporting of any of the um, misconduct that happened against uh, female staffers, but it was retaliation because more or less allegedly Mel Pearson was concerned that um Steve Shields, Strauss Mann, former goaltender um, for the Michigan hockey program, um, were essentially conspiring to have him fired. So essentially, the retaliation was because of um, what he felt or perceived as undermining um, undermining Pearson's leadership. So that so he still retaliated and also fostered an extremely hostile environment. Um, <clears throat> if I could just read a, a bit of their conclusion. Um, This one's been pretty widely circulated, so I'm sure you've seen it, Um, but it says, uh, specifically, the university should review whether respondent Pearson's conduct violates other university policies, including but not limited to standard practice guide 60190, protection from retaliation. In addition, the athletic department should take steps to address a number of issues discussed in this report, including, one, the mistreatment of female staff members by Rick Bancroft. Number two, respondents' inability or unwillingness to hold Mr. Bancroft accountable for his conduct. Three, pervasive fears among both student-athletes and staff members of retaliation by respondent for raising issues. And four, inconsistencies in respondents' recollection, perception, and or characterization of key incidents and issues <laughs> as compared with other participants. So, too My dude lied raise... about stuff that was probably on the record elsewhere, is yes. what they're saying. <laughs> That's right. Kevin, where you at right now? How are you feeling? So so correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm <laughs> gathering that this firm decided this guy's an asshole. Yes. But yes. not necessarily illegal, but should probably be fired. 
Yes. So essentially you haven't even said maybe the most like at least kind of like out of left field shocking thing that was in the report uh, yeah. that Pearson allegedly said. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, so that actually wasn't in the report. That was actually in um, the leaked survey that came out. To, oh, you're um, right. To the athletic. Mm, also, um, we love bad. leaks. <laughs> we love leaks. But we are getting there. Um, so anyway, uh, essentially, yes, uh, Pearson um, miss misrepresented um his own perception of what happened with uh steve shields um and strauss man so so the bigger thing here is obviously first and foremost i want to say the harassment and the gendered discrimination against women in the hockey program some of whom i believe are still employed by the university um is really really troubling it is um some stuff like for example um I believe Christy McNeil, who is one of their uh, PR um, associate directors, um, was berated um, in front of witnesses by Pearson because she set up like some sort of like Zoom player interview without Pearson's permission. Pearson lost mm-hmm. it um, and um, retaliated, not retaliated, um, berated her in a way that um, was specifically targeted toward her. Additionally, uh, Rick Bancroft, who um, Steve Shields alleges again, knew about uh, Robert Anderson's decades of abuse. Um, he's been he had been with the program, I believe, since 1991 in some capacity in and out of the program um, and was aware of abuse that um, Shields and other student athletes at the time had um, had dealt with. Uh, so essentially, like he he's also kind of um, fostering kind of this this hostile environment. He also very specifically told McNeil that she, because of her gender, would not have um, opportun- the same types of opportunities. And I believe the quote was, her gender was a problem, quote unquote. Um, and she, by Pearson and Bancroft, were was excluded from team events, um, which is a bit difficult considering that she does PR for the team. Uh, so that's that's one element, and I don't want to downplay that at all because it is obviously important. It is yeah. it is very very serious, and and the toxic culture, um, it forced an administrative, allegedly forced um, an assistant to retire. It's it's a whole can of worms. It's bad. Um, however, I think the more pressing issue here for me, at least in my reading, was um, his treatment of Strauss Mann, who was a captain. Um, had played, I believe he was a senior um, or was going to be a senior at the time in 2021, um, had had concerns after, oh my God, there's so much stuff in it. There's so much stuff in this. I don't even know where to, to keep going. Um, that after Pearson allegedly told Michigan hockey players to lie on their COVID response forms about close contacts. There's another that, thing. Oh God, there's so much. There's so much stuff. Um that Straussman was concerned about that. He was also concerned about um, sort of uh, preferential treatment for some of these student athletes versus others on the team. Um, obviously, the Michigan hockey team in the past couple of years has been absolutely stacked. Um, like, what, five first-round draft picks last year? Um, pretty talented group, pretty well-known group. Um, but so Straussman essentially kind of says, I, I've seen things that I don't like. I would like to make a complaint. Um, ta- has a very broad conversation allegedly with uh, with Pearson, who 
again, allegedly, I have to keep saying allegedly, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, threatened to strip him of his, of his scholarship and his captaincy. Um, and that rumor had circulated among other um, other players who then in turn were afraid of retaliation by Mel Pearson directly. So not only was Straussman specifically targeted, he did leave the program. Um, he had those meetings um, with university administrators in early April. Um, he retracted some of his statements because he was cons- allegedly concerned about retaliation, completely left the program at the end of April 2021. And to put some context here, Straussman yeah. was not some like I mean, not that this should matter in this context of treating uh, uh, a human being so poor. Yeah, a person right. so poorly. Um, but this was not like a four string goalie. This was somebody who had had started and been successful with the team. Yeah. And he was from my understanding. And I didn't follow Michigan hockey that closely during the during those like COVID years. But he was pretty much like if he had effectively like if he had stayed another year he would absolutely be still have been starting over eric portillo and like would have been the guy again um he's extremely talented so um basically again stripped him of um threatened to strip him of the cap captaincy and essentially kind of dangle his scholarship in front of him um and ultimately while the PR kind of said Straussman left voluntarily, this is something that Ward Manuel believes. We'll get to him in a hot second. Hmm. Um, whoa, the everything is there's so much. Effectively pushed a player out of the program. A a player who, again, to Ace's point, was not just like some guy, was one of those stars on the team for speaking up against uh, the, Pearson's he's the alleged damn behavior. Captain. <laughs> yeah, he is he's the captain of the team. And Pearson allegedly threatened to strip him of that. Um, so, yeah, it's bad. Things are bad. Kevin, I'm going to check in with you again. How are you feeling? Yeah, that's th- this all sounds like nuts. Um, <laughs> I, was there like signs of this, like this being a problem, you know, before? Like, has there been any indication of this dude's thisness before now? <laughs> so, I think. So, so yes and no. So I think a lot of times, and I think you find it in all college sports, like we are, again, um, you need to suspend disbelief when you're talking about college athletics writ large or just sports. Like we know that. Um, I think, I think the thing is like, because some of this behavior was going, was stretching as far back, I believe into 2019 or basically throughout Pearson's entire tenure so far, it's fair to say that this culture had existed, but no one was raising it publicly. Like no one was raising these concerns publicly. Um, the McNeil incident where he kind of publicly loudly berated her was in February of 2021. The um, the issue with the COVID forms was March 2021. And the man incident was April 2021. Um, around this time, again, Steve Shields, who was the complainant, um, who was the person who filed this, this investigated, this complaint that went to um, ECRT, which is the Title IX office, more or less, um, about this alleged retaliation, he, around the same time, because he was relatively close to Strauss Mann, A, Steve Shields is a former goaltender, B, uh, director of player development, he's going to be working very closely with with them. Uh, Shields starts to, again, also sort of like kind of whistleblow a little bit, starts, um, you know, throughout the, this investigation not investigation throughout the report. Um, many of the witnesses are saying, yeah, he like came up to me and talked about X or he came up and talked to me about Y or 
Steve was talking about this or about this because of um, because of Mel Pearson. So essentially, he's kind of so Strassman and uh, Steve Shields are both kind of squeaky wheels in this. Um, yeah, so it's safe to assume, but I can't confirm that this behavior had somewhat has somewhat kind of been a a cornerstone a of, of yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I, yeah. I just, I just wondered, like, because, so I mean, I, I covered Ohio State, obviously, and we had <laughs> all the everything with Urban Meyer came out, and like there was like surprise, but it's also like not really surprise if you if you get what I'm saying, like you was surprised at the specific allegations, but it's like, eh, I mean, that kind of checks out. So I was just like, I was wondering if that's how it was in this situation, or if it was like, oh, wow, that's kind of surprising. I think in this case, Mel Pearson kind of was able to keep his actions a little bit lower key than um, he would have otherwise because so much of this happened during the pandemic. Yeah. That's uh, right. And also, also on some level, like Michigan hockey is a big deal, but also like, it's not the same it's level not as Ohio state football. So <laughs> yeah, but, yeah it, it, it's not the same thing. So I get that. I just, I just wondered like if you guys being close to the program were like, oh yeah, this makes sense. Yeah. I would say like, in terms of also like, um, a point that was made about like relative criminality. I think uh, John John U. Bacon, um, in his like blog post initially reacting to it, had mentioned something along the lines of like, none of this is going to essentially shake out to be criminal. Like, it's not um, a culture of harassment is obviously right. terrible. This gendered harassment is bad, but it is not necessarily a. It's not in violation, and b. It's not going to into a territory of like committing a crime um and addition (laughs) which is the technicality we love that um and and additionally kind of the bancroft stuff um him knowing about anderson's abuse um shields um unfortunately didn't have a great um track in my view of reporting on this he didn't necessarily he he assumed that 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 was one of the reasons why he was being discriminated against um there was i will say to me, there was not a lot of evidence in that other than he alleged that that Bancroft knew about that abuse. So unfortunately, that was kind of the most circumstantial part. Still bad, obviously, but... Um, and not so necessarily I, subscribing. Su- 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 surprising that it would be hard to substantiate that. Right. Yeah. So it's sort of like, again, to your point, a little bit of like, a little bit of that, like, you know, you kind of hear whispers. It's kind of something you deal with in like high profile college athletics and mm-hmm. it is what it is. So, you know, all of this specifically with the, with the COVID tracing um, kind of <laughs> blew up in Pearson's face. Pearson assumed that uh, Strauss, Strauss man specifically, again, a, what, 21, 22 year old kid was conspiring to have him fired. He told alumni, he called um other like alumni and former players and said and would s- allegedly say to this effect Strauss man is trying to have me fired so basically has his own miniature watergate over that's amazing a 21 year old kid that's right that's, so that's my- some woody that's some woody hayes shit right there yeah it's not good it's really bad um so there's that um so that's kind of like one of the main things. <laughs> so Ace- that's that's just part. Of it. <laughs> I mean that that's that's most of what's in the report, and then we get to yeah. So we're we we're coming into today, and we're kind of thinking, okay, like first of all, why is Mel Pearson still employed? That's, second that's of all, correct. like that's probably going to change at any moment now. And hey, Ace, I have a question for you. 
Yeah. When did Mel Pearson's contract expire? Uh, I believe it was May 1st. That's right. His contract expired in May. He has been serving in a head coach capacity without without a contract for several months now. And if I can just jump in one more time, uh, the survey that got leaked to The Athletic, uh, Katie Strang reported on it. Um, It's a very, very good summary. Um, They got the results of the survey summary. And a lot of this stuff corroborates kind of what Strauss Mann's, the the situation with Strauss Mann had, had kind of brought to light that more or less players were afraid of retaliation staff is already afraid of retaliation players are concerned about cutting cut play time um a group this is actually back jump i'm jumping back and forth into the investigation um that eight seniors this past year april 2022 a full year later um went to josh uh uh richelieu i i don't know how to say his last name Uh, yeah yeah richelieu um in an exit interview and said, yeah, we, we didn't, we didn't want to be retaliated against more or less. They did not want to do that. They did not want to take the anonymous climate survey, which is what the athletic ended up receiving um, and seeing the summary of the results um, because they were afraid it was not anonymous and that Mel Pearson would find out. And they were afraid of having what, what a happened. Good locker room environment. We've got that's insane. Here. Yeah. They didn't want to take an anonymous time. letter because but that like that that to me is like the biggest bombshell thing like that that dude had the most toxic oh, environment possible <laughs> okay, we're not okay okay, okay keep going it. keep going tip of the iceberg my friend the t- oh, okay, the t- okay. we are tip of the iceberg like this I'll is not the go. part that's gonna sink the titanic um cool so cool. again like i said the survey itself is really really distressing um katie strang summer summarizes it really well in in the athletic 34 people participate in it um at least 30 percent on like um, a bunch of different um items had said they've either seen um a culture of harassment or directly experienced that culture of harassment i don't have the report up in front of me right now but more or less very very bad like 30 percent of respondents are seeing some sort of like negative behaviors um and other people are concerned about even being truthful on that assessment. That is the survey that also um, anonymously, and again, I am not saying this, this is, this is allegedly um, Mel Pearson insulted one of his players by calling him a Jew, like in a derogatory (laughs) anti-Semitic way. Um, Whoa. That's right. How are you feeling now, bud? (laughs) Let's keep checking in with Kevin. Okay. Yeah. I'll just let you keep going. Okay, we'll keep going. I don't, I don't, oh, I don't know what the appropriate reaction to that is besides just like it was. Like that my was mouth just, is wide open. It like, was yeah. like I expected a lot of bad shit in this report, and that or like in everything that was going to come out of this hockey situation, and to see that, um, man, I, I really yeah. wasn't anticipating uh, just uh, some casual anti-Semitism. Uh, yeah, on the part of Michigan's hockey coach. Yeah, just Re- cool. really quite something. Yeah, it's it's really upsetting. Um, anyway, so <laughs> all of this, there's so much bad stuff that is happening all at once. So fast forward to um, again uh, yesterday, August third, which was a Wednesday. Um, a lot of kind of the aftermath is still happening. A lot of people are talking about this. A lot of people are kind of trying to figure out what happens next because right now, you know, the athletic department is not commenting on this yet. Um, no one is is available for comment, obviously, and then. Today, <laughs> today, uh, John Ubagan tweets uh, just another real banger. 
Um, let let me pull it up right now because it's it's one that I I cannot believe. Um, more sources. The status of UM hockey coach Mel Pearson has now been reduced to a standoff between the regents (parentheses eight to nothing), so a unanimous vote, and interim president Mary Sue Coleman on one side, and Pearson and UMAD Ward Manuel (parentheses) who earlier this week wanted to sign Pearson to an extension <laughs> on the other. So essentially, mm. what what Bacon what Bacon is is saying here is that. Ward Manuel, not Ward Manual is not just sticking his head in the sand. He is actively going ahead and saying, "Hey, you know what? I like this guy. I'm gonna stick up for him, and I am going to risk my job and go against my bosses, the Regents, who could fire him or overrule him at any time." And he said, "You know what? I'm gonna waste this this grandstand." on Mel Pearson. <laughs> yeah, that's okay, like <laughs> it's such an absurd stance to take. Do you see I'm, why I'm, my brain I'm, is melting? Right. Yeah, I'm trying to put this in the context of like Ohio State football and uh, like and we, I, sh- we should add here that Michigan has had the results of this report since May 5th, 4 days and so they're after not, Mel, they're not like Mel Pearson's contract expired. Well, yeah, they've known well, all of this. They put in an appeal. I think like they, so, they've known this and like tried to have it overturned and still know this. <laughs> and so, and so like there, and, and this is even was, was Bacon's report after the, um, after the, everything like kind of came out and there was like a public outcry too. Yes. Right. Assuming is, there's been some sort of public outcry. That's correct. It, this was, this tweet is uh, six hours ago. It is time stamped uh one thirty eight PM Eastern. So, Yes. Yes. Um, so, so, so basically, like they're seeing the reaction to this, and they're saying, "No, we're sticking by this guy." But and it's not even a we, as far as I could, as far as I could tell. Well, it's more. It's, it's Ward Manual. It is literally just Ward Manual, and I guess Mel Pearson, who should have no say in this whatsoever. Right. Yeah. yeah, um, like... So it is really just Ward Manual, and like I have not seen any fans who have, after like reading this, have gone, "Yes, he should stay as coach," um, yeah. or any media. Like well, also, no, nobody also, is like, on nobody's on this, and he's facing off against literally all of university leadership. And if you are familiar with Michigan's regents, right, that is incredible to get to right. get them on an eight zero vote on something. Good yeah, God, yeah. And and like on some level, like you you have to like realize this is this is Michigan hockey. Like I, <laughs> it, it, it's not like this is football either. Like what what are you doing here? Like what what's what's your end game if like you're willing to like die? on this hill. Like, right. This it, should it, have been hot. done with a like two sentence press release the the day they got the report or maybe the day after to right. make it look like they read it four times. Right. And, and and said, you know, Michigan athletics have decided not to renew Mel Pearson's contract because that's the other remarkable the thing about part. this. Yeah. His contract expired. This isn't about like the legal machinations of getting out of a like firing with cause, which I know is a difficult thing. Like all you have to do is put out the press release. That's right. That's all they need. That's hand all. Him a, need. Hand him a box to pack up his and, desk. And like I get, I get the, the dude's probably a good coach. Like I, I know about Michigan hockey. I know how it goes. But like again, this is Michigan hockey. Like it's not like it's football. Like. I, on some level, there's like a ah damn, like there goes our program sort of thing. But like, it, it it's the hockey program. But like, that's you, the other you thing. Can't, you can't be taking Michigan, these stands for 
it's it's like with Ohio State and Urban Meyer, where like yes, I, I mean not to the same degree, but there are similarities in terms of like yes, this is a guy who has been very successful and is a really good coach, but we right. have an all time great program here that can right. basically run itself. So right. as long as we get someone in here who is semi competent, yeah, even if that's just a transition move, it's gonna be fine. Right, and I I do want to kind of bring up a point that that I think. Part of the issue is that Mel Pearson is has essentially like been groomed for this position. Like he was an assistant under Red Berenson, um, longtime Michigan hockey coach, uh, pretty much a legend um, in the um, in in the athletic department, and is essentially kind of ascending into this position. Like this position was for him. It is after Berenson retired. I think you know there is a level of kind of that. Yeah, like this is kind of this is Red's guy. Like we're, we're happy to have this guy here, but it still does not necessarily constitute what is happening because you can make so many guys. There are a lot of red guys. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like that coaching tree. I don't, I don't know. You you don't really talk about coaching trees in hockey per se, but like, like you do in football, but like red Berenson like could make a phone call to somebody and probably get another hockey coach. He still serves as a special advisor to the athletic department. Well, and there is a- there is somebody tied to Michigan hockey who had a job with the New York Islanders and has mysteriously left that job. Interesting. As uh. as that happens, you know, wonder why. <laughs> so, so essentially, like what we're dealing with here is is just inexcusable inaction by the university. So, I understand probably that that f- firing manual is is not the same as not retaining Pearson. So that so essentially kind of the stalemate that that has sort of come up is I guess, you know, firing manual is going to be difficult. I mean, obviously a little bit of the insubordination sort of elements to that. I don't know how it works with high up officials um and and people of of manual's profile, but it's clear that Ward Manuel is sticking his neck out against the wishes of his basically his bosses. I cannot believe he has the cloud to do this. And he is doing <laughs> he might it. Not, and... I don't know. <laughs> but uh, like what has Ward Manuel done at Michigan to earn he's a, got... a, a level of pull where he can go against every region and these every single presidents. one. Right. Every and it's not one. he doesn't have even one in his corner. And which also is wild. he's totally wrong. <laughs> he is one hundred percent objectively in the wrong. <laughs> right. And 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 it, and it's just frustrating because it's like, you know, he has made g- good hires. He has sort of. You know, for, I mean, but like, who did he get other than Juwan Howard plopping into his lap? That's true. And I and I guess he I didn't mean, hire Harbaugh. Harbaugh. Yeah, I mean, like, it's yeah, that's fair. In fact, you could argue like Harbaugh tried his very best to leave. Yes, like he, that's fair. It, it, in it, large part because, because of the of way Manuel. that Manuel wanted to restructure his contract, Michigan took like right. this weird middle road that was that seemed like a terrible idea at the time, and kind of yeah. got very lucky with how it worked out uh, in two consecutive off seasons. Yeah, yeah. So, so in summary, so another. I'm not done yet. I just have one more oh, thing, yeah. and then I promise I'll be done. I think especially like if you follow any sort of hockey, if you have any sort of intimate knowledge of of the game, you know that hockey more than other sports is dealing with a lot of issues with with toxic culture mm-hmm. beyond um, beyond what you already see in sports. Again, 
if you're a sports fan, often you have to suspend your disbelief. It, it just so happens that hockey is a really, really a bad sport for this. It's super pervasive. It's it's a long, you know, it's 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 a sport it's that's issues, had some yeah. really like that's been rife for very toxic cultures to to pop up without people being able to feeling free to without speak impunity. Out about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, if you look at what's happened with the Chicago Blackhawks, some some junior teams, it's it's really, uh, I mean, it, even stuff that's happened that's far worse than anything that's gone on at Michigan. Right, and so I think one of my other points to this is that allowing that culture to persist, even if it's just a shitty workplace, is not acceptable for student athletes. You can't have 18 to 22 year old kids in a program like that because that is the exact kind of of preferential treatment, the exact sort of, these are the problems with the game itself and the athletes that are being brought up in it. It is not a program that you want your you it's I don't have kids I don't know anything about it but if my dog was like a 17 year old (laughs) hockey prospect I wouldn't want him going to Michigan because if he sees something he doesn't like or if he sees something that he disagrees with disagrees with it's not even like anything particular about Strassman's playing time for example because again as we mentioned he was a starter that it it that all of that could be dangled in front of you and kind of like like a carrot and stick sort of thing yeah it, it's, I, I, I think preposterous and I, th- I think like along that same line like he has been a fine head coach but like what what do you think is going to happen to recruiting after this <laughs> if this report is public like who who's going to go play hockey for this dude you know like I, I I think that like no matter how good of a coach you are on some level like you, you need players and I know like Michigan is I mean, notorious, especially last season for having a just absolutely stacked roster. So, like, how how can you, like, earnestly, like, from, uh, from Ward Manual here, like, how can you earnestly believe that this guy is going to continue to do a good job after all of this is public? Right. Um, he seems to think that's the case. And I would probably bet the players that, again, this is speculation, the players who had a good experience with Mel Pearson would go to bat for him. I, I loosely cover the Buffalo Sabres. I'm sure plenty of those of, you know, folks who have come through Michigan and have some ties to the Sabres might have some nice things to say about him. Um, and that they is not necessarily be the best players. Yeah, that's weird how that works. <laughs> so, I mean, like, I understand that to an extent, again, sports, yada, yada. But it's to a point where if anyone, if you dissented, you are threatened with losing your position on the team. So what do you do? What do you do in that position? It's it again, it it kind of doesn't make for a, a good program that again, if you're someone who is like tr- like figuring out where you want your son to play junior hockey or or his next level of hockey, why would you do it in a place where you know if something bad happens, the coach is going might start calling around to other former players and alumni and saying shit about you or your And a lot of those alumni are like NHL assistant coaches. Right. (laughs) So that that really does impact your your future. Yes. And like hockey, again, being such a closely ingrained, like dude, dudes who know dudes kind of sport, that impacts you. That impacts your future more than, than anything else because you don't often see 
especially on a smaller roster like hockey, unlike football, like you don't get those same chances to like, let's give this guy a shot. Like there's not that same opportunity. And it's really problematic for the future of the program. So again, I don't want to underscore the sexism. I don't want to underscore the toxic behavior. I don't want to underscore Pearson allowing Bancroft to be his right-hand man for so long. But the real issue to me, at least in my view, is is the future of the program. He is unfit to lead this program. And Ward Manuel is currently kind of really showing his ass about how he he, he thinks things. any program, yeah. any athletics, any program under his purview is allowed to run. And in the and context of what Ward yeah. Manuel has done recently, uh, yeah, things are starting to add up in terms of him going on you know, a podcast voluntarily and praising Bo Schembechler up, down and sideways. Um, uh, unprompted. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, allowing <laughs> uh, Jim Harbaugh to do the same uh, and Jim Brad Satter and Dan Deerdorf. I mean, it, there's just such a lack of leadership on that front. And you guys, you guys have some cool luck with athletic characters. Yeah. No, things have been awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's been great. Uh, I'm honestly waiting for them to hire Urban Myers, like some sort of special advisor to something. Like, uh, come on, amazing. just bring it in. Just, just do it. Maybe he knows uh, hockey. He'll be the next it, coach. It'd be an improvement. <laughs> uh, honestly, in terms of messaging, Urban Meyer may somehow, or at least the yeah, Ohio State handled things better. I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, because Urban. Yeah. Uh, anyway, at least they had gonna... press conferences. At least they kept people abreast of things. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Michigan hockey, uh, that rocks. Uh, so anyway, uh, that'll be out at meet at midfield.com. Um, you can read, read more read of, all about it. Yeah. You can read all about it. Um, With art. and yeah, <laughs> I yell in words, yeah. not uh, in written words, as opposed to the speaking words. Um, oh, yeah. this, this took me it's 40 good. minutes. It's good. <laughs> this took me 40 minutes. I'm really sorry, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm. I have I had strong feelings. Uh, I read every word, and everything just made me really upset. Uh, but my, I, my ate... favorite, yeah, go ahead, my, please. My favorite part of this, that for all the readers or listeners, you're not reading this. All the <laughs> listeners is Abe's messaged me about this earlier, <clears throat> and he debated whether or not like I was going to be on for this part, and I was like, oh no, I'll do the whole thing, whatever. And he goes, okay, cool. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on the hockey part. We're just going to kind of. <laughs> I forgot I said that. My bad. You did. I, I mean, it, it's fine. This is very entertaining. It's just like <laughs> I just love that that was the preface, and here we are. Uh, I feel bad for roping you in on on clearly false pretenses, but uh, <laughs> this has hopefully been pretty uh, morbidly. It's very eye opening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I will. I will conclude this this segment by saying that uh, it is pretty incredible that given all of the moral failings here that taylor has concluded that it is the um actual kind of like untenable locker room culture um that uh, is the biggest problem here in from michigan's end and uh given what is in both the wilmer hill report and the anonymous player survey uh it it's shocking for anybody to be in mel pierce's corner and uh i and don't yet. know yeah, I don't know if it rises to a fireable offense for Ward Manual, but if it doesn't, uh, this this has to be somewhere close to his last strike. Um, and if it's not, it should be uh, because uh, he's racking up uh, a pretty poor track record when it comes to handling some really important 
uh, issues within his program and within his programs. And so far that hasn't really impacted the on-field product, but it's hard to imagine that, uh, first of all, this already has Michigan chased off his starting goalie. And uh, I, I imagine that it, it will be hard to maintain this high level of a program in the future, even if they keep bringing in some top level players. Uh, if you treat um, a large portion of your team like garbage. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, it's it's going to be interesting, too, because if Pearson, again, is not retained, that that calls into question, OK, are the guys that you have going to stay? Um, including some of your top talent? Are they going to be willing to stay? Are some of the commits going to be willing to continue to have those conversations? So there is a pipeline kind of thing in mind. To me, I sort of think that's worth the risk because, again, if you're looking at this from a young prospect angle, you're kind of saying, well, shit, like if I don't like kind of fall in line and listen to exactly what this dude says, like I'm, I'm kind of screwed. But also, again, from the honest perspective, he's kind of a kingmaker. He got five guys drafted in the first round. And it's it's a whole thing that that um, I may also be looking at in the future, just from kind of my the the angle of the other hockey coverage I do um, uh, differently. But um, and I'll get off it. But I, I just it's really concerning on all those fronts. And at the end of the day, like 18 to 22 year old kids, they're still I understand they're adults or whatever, but like they still learn like sponges. Mm-hmm. They're seeing this. They're seeing the sexism. They're seeing some of this stuff. They're seeing the way that others are being treated within that program. And I don't understand. I don't know how you come out of out of that. You know, kind of like doing whatever the mission of the university or being a well-rounded student athlete or any of that stuff. Like, I don't see how you leave the program any any better. So, yeah. All right. Um, I think that's I'm a good place to leave it. Um, all right. <laughs> We are once again walking into a horrifying <laughs> transition into a home field ad. I'm so sorry, Connor. Uh, I have a really like nice thing to say though. Um, I can say I can say a nice thing. I am wearing my uh, Duke's Mayo Bowl shirt from, yes. from 2020. That that shirt rocks. It is one of one of their finest and one of their best. I don't think they make it, so now I'm just bragging. But um, <laughs> I'm allowed to say nice things now. I'm allowed to say cool stuff because I just said a lot of not cool stuff. Go ahead, Ace. Um, so we we have moved past uh, home field's purple stage. Uh, we are now in another color where I'm going to tell you, you can pull this off. Have the confidence to rock this because it's Oregon State Week. And that means a pretty bright shade of orange, if I'm being totally honest. Uh, but man, that there's a lot of potential uh, when the uh, beaver is a mascot. Um, I am looking at a beaver spinning a basketball uh, on its anthropomorphic finger right now, and it it's beautiful. It's it's absolutely beautiful. Uh, and uh, speaking of beautiful, uh, we have a new promo code. Uh, promo code meet at midfield for fifteen percent off your first order from homefieldapparel.com. So this Saturday, when that Oregon State gear drops, uh, get on that. Um, we are also brought to you by PointsBet. Download the PointsBet app and use PointsBet app and use the promo code BucketProp to get 100% of your deposit batched up to $1,000 in the form of free bets. To get that bonus, you must use the promo code BucketProp. That is Bucket P R O B, all one word. Please gamble responsibly. Set limits. Avoid chasing lom- losses. Never bet what you can't afford to lose. Take breaks when you need it and use the self-exclusion feature to stop yourself from betting. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right. We have finally reached the part of the uh, the podcast that uh, we um, 
uh, ostensibly brought Kevin on to critique us about. Um, uh, We're going to talk through uh, the top five players in the East. This is like what we did last week with the the Big Ten West, um, except uh, good this time. The players are good. The the players are are good. good. The teams are good. The Big Ten East is real. It's a place. Yes, it's a conference that exists. Ryan, last week, I don't know what he was talking about. Ches Malusi. I mean, this is not actual reality so we're not Ken, sponsored by Ches Malusi we, yeah. we don't have an NIL thing with with Ches Malusi we, we definitely should, don't have an agreement to say his name on every podcast <laughs> we should consider that honestly we're, <laughs> we should we're... try why are we why are we not Spon- uh, getting hooked up for this Ches Malusi and Wilmer Hale yes <laughs> we're, we're doing reverse NIL we're having players pay us <laughs> to do promo <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's gonna work so for some reason um yeah, all man. right so I'm gonna quickly read off uh the no, I'm not going to read off the media picks because that would spoil a lot of our picks because we largely agree with the media. Um, so we will do the same thing we did last week. Uh, we will each go through starting from the bottom. Um, we both made Homer picks at number five uh, because we have every right to do that. Um, Taylor, uh, who's your number five? Uh, my number five. Oh, I'm so sorry. Everyone's going to hear my voice so much on this podcast. Uh, I actually think it's Ronnie Bell. Um, this is disgusting Michigan bias. It is perverse and horrifying and he didn't play last year uh and my friends in my fantasy football uh group chat from college uh shout out uh death by act um they reminded me that before the western michigan game in which he got injured that i was super high on ronnie bell i'm once again coming into this season super high on ronnie bell i think that he um he's got like just a really good vision for the entire field um he's great catching the ball and um his after catch potential i think is is something that you know is something that we that michigan doesn't necessarily have i mean definitely there is depth on receiver and there's a lot of good talent but i think ronnie bell is going to bring that plus veteran experience and i think that that's something that um i'd be excited to see with cade and or uh jj because uh both of Cade McNamara in, in particular seems to like a safety net. And I think Ronnie Bell would be a really good safety net for that. Um, Just don't put him on punt returns, please. Yes. No, we're not doing that. We're not doing that anymore. Um, I, I did watch a lot of his 2019. Um, and again, he was kind of a safety blanket for Shea Patterson back then, too. Um, and, Shea and, Patterson was not a guy who uh, safety does not come to mind uh, when I think about Shea Patterson. That's true. <laughs> uh, and I and I just think he's got, in terms of like the Michigan guys you can look at, um, the most the most upside right now. Do I think he's like a breakout standout star? Potentially no. Um, I do think he actually does have a very similar skill set to Jaden Reed, who I who uh, spoiler alert, who I do not snubbed? have on my list. <laughs> um, and I and I think that that given those two options, I would go with Ronnie Bell. Like if, if I had Reed and Bell on the team, the same team, um, I would go with Bell. And again, that's my disgusting Homer bias. Um, if you're a Michigan state, Michigan state fan, legally, you are not allowed to be mean to me. I'm not Dan. Also, why are you listening to this? Um. Yeah, do you do you hate yourself? I just screamed for 40 minutes on Michigan hockey. Do you, do you hate yourself? I'm not trying to chase away like potential need of midfield customers, but I mean, <laughs> also, uh, you know, it, it, it take a real uh, dedicated state fan to be this deep in uh, the opposition uh, podcast 
uh, behind enemy lines here. That's well, we're glad you're here. Please subscribe. Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah, we'll be nice to you for a little <laughs> bit here. Uh, my number five is DJ Turner. Uh, this is my own homer pick, but um, he was the best cornerback in the Big Ten. Uh, once he secured a starting job, which I know sounds a little uh, you know flimsy because that happened midway through the season, but he did well against Penn State, um, who had you know Jahan Dotson, Parker Washington. Uh, he fared very well in coverage against Garrett Wilson in the Ohio State game, uh, which not easy. Uh, that was a top 15 pick in the NFL draft. Uh, PFF really liked him. Uh, Pro Football Focus uh, uh, had him as the third best power five outside cornerback once he got into the starting lineup, allowed the fourth lowest catch rate in the power five over that span, just 42%. And they've got him as a 13 preseason All-American Um I'm actually, but the person I'm stumping here, uh, other than Jaden Reed, is Blake Corum. So uh, it, I'm not the total homer here. Um, all right, Taylor, number four. The, the rest of this list, we're kind of, we're, we're actually we are in lockstep. <laughs> we are unanimous. Uh, my number four is Dante Divas, as is Aces. Um, yeah, Divas. Yeah, we can five... just trade trade uh, guys from here on out. <laughs> yeah, five 100 plus yard performances in in his last eight full games. Um, he was doing really really well before his leg broke. Um, so again, I have gone I have gone the route of choosing uh choosing wide receivers who have hurt themselves very badly. Um, but the the thing in watching. Um, watching Demas in particular is that I think he does have a higher ceiling than Raheem Jarrett um, and and a lot more upside. Uh, I, I It's hard. I mean, he was the number one receiver when those two guys were available and by a fair margin. I, I agree. Um, and I know Ryan was a little bit higher on Jarrett, but I... I Ryan's I a recruiting he, guy, so that, that, that fifth star is tough to forget. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do think that, um, again, Talia, like, he he's got his good receivers. And again, I keep using this idea of like a safety net, but he needs somebody who, when they're going to catch the ball, they're going to be able to do a lot with it. Um, and he makes, he makes like guys miss in, in ways that I, I yeah. have not seen. Like he like fully will like pump, like slam the brakes stops and then continues on the same route and makes guys miss. It is phenomenal. He is really, really good. Um, if the rest of Maryland was decent, I would be a little bit more concerned about that game that Michigan <laughs> is playing against them. But um, it's aside a from Oxley team, so we're cool. <laughs> exactly. And again, if you're a Maryland fan, thank you for listening. I'm so glad you're here. Um, please subscribe. Uh, I do think that that the wide receiver talent is the the quarterback and wide receiver talent in the passing game is really Maryland's only strength. But I do think Demas is going to be utilized more and he's got more explosiveness to him. Um, but with that said, uh, Jared is on my um, honorable mentions out list because I think they're both both really solid options for, for Tagovailoa. All right, number three on both of our lists is Ohio State running back Travion <laughs> Henderson. Uh, this is going to start a run of Buckeyes. Um, <sighs> he's really good. Uh, he was a freshman last year, averaged 6.8 yards a carry while uh, taking the line share of that backfield. Uh, Master Teague was not able to hold that, uh, believe it or not. <laughs> um, 15 touchdowns on only 184 carries. That's uh, pretty ridiculous. Just a constant big play threat and also a pretty damn good receiver out of the backfield. So just uh, a really good fit 
for the Ohio State offense, uh, because what do you do when that you know that guy's possibly running out the backside, and you also have to pay attention to their receivers. Uh, yeah, and uh, if that line opens up a crease, he could uh, he's a nightmare on the second level. Um, so yeah, this is not fun, and I don't like it. Um, but that's that's your number three, Travion Henderson. And he's yeah, I would just I would just say that like again. Like, my thought is just, like, this ranking is also just generally an indication of the quality of the offense itself, holistically, like, the offensive line, the quarterback. It's Henderson being this good um, as a true freshman last year. It, it, it makes me sick. It makes me upset. Um, and anytime an announcer says, like, there goes Henderson turning on the Jets, like, every <laughs> single every single announcer, like, if you YouTube, like, if you go on YouTube and just search for Henderson's highlights, they're like, turn it on the Jets, turn it on the Jets. So if someone says that one more time, I, I invite you to finish your drink or whatever you do of choice, just because they're going to say it. And it's like a little drinking game um, because they, they say it all the time, but they're not wrong. He, he does indeed turn on the Jets, but <laughs> Kevin, do you want to take a victory lap right now? I mean, I, you've got two more. You guys can keep going. Yeah. Um, all right. Number two is. I'll, go, I'll get there. Number number two is uh, potential number one overall pick in the NFL draft. Uh, C.J. Stroud, Ohio State's quarterback. Uh, Do we have to talk about this? Do we have to talk about this one? I mean, I, mean, like, I, want, I want to talk about number one, but I, do we have to talk about C.J. Stroud? Okay, I can talk about uh, November twenty seventh, two thousand twenty one. That's what it, yeah, that's what it says it. here. Um, God, he still averaged eight yards at attempt in that game. I mean, C.J. Stroud. Uh, you know, should have been a Heisman contender last year, 44 touchdowns, six picks, um, finished first in, uh, QBR among every quarterback in the country, uh, through for 4,400 yards at 10.1 yards in attempt. Uh, he's not the most willing runner, but when you throw like that, it doesn't really matter. Um, and apparently his his only weakness is when it, it it gets a little chilly out and he has a little bit of a flu and there's some there's a, a light flurry. Um, that's that's about the only bad thing I could say about him is uh, he he's maybe not uh, built for the Midwest <laughs> or or the Buffalo Bills, which we don't need him anyway. We but, should we should still be puts in that up position. really good numbers in the cold. He just managed to lose one game and be kind of salty about it. <laughs> Sorry, I had to talk about the Bills. Yes. Go Bills, by the way. Also in the contract. Uh, legally and then uh, number one jackson smith is jake the man like i i don't know what to say like he's so good he's so good and like i don't even hate him that much like i i i can't like i tried i tried really hard to like dig deep into this like rivalry mentality this this like primal like oh yeah like eh, that uh, don't like that dude no He's phenomenal. He's super, super fun. Um, like absolute star. I think should, depending on what his year looks like, could be like a sleeper Heisman candidate. Uh, I don't I would really hope so with those numbers, but with Ohio State, they might just be splitting the votes between three guys on accident. Yeah. They yeah, they have just... to coordinate. They have to all get behind one guy. They they have to figure that out. Uh, just but... his game logs are just. They're sick. They make me sick. The last one in particular. The 15 catches for 347 yards and three touchdowns against Utah in a uh, pretty big, uh, very, in like every single one of those yards and touchdowns was necessary to beat Utah in that game. Uh, And he made it happen. Um, He was 
easily the best receiver on a team with uh what was it the number 12 and number 13 overall picks well yep. and he it, and he chased off number 14 uh because <laughs> jameson williams uh transferred to alabama and i i know people thought that was because of garrett wilson and chris olave but folks there was enough falls for for three receivers and, yeah and, and jackson spit the jig caught 95 of them <laughs> so uh <Yep. laughs> man it, it's wild that he had the season that he had with with the other players that, that he that he had the other parts of the, the wide receiver group it's it's disgusting it makes me sick i ryan ryan day doesn't deserve this no he doesn't <laughs> i feel like the one unifying point between high street freaks and the bucket problem is that no one here likes ryan day like this is just does he deserve this just should he have this i i don't think it's ryan day i mean it's it's one Brian Hartline, so I'm. <laughs> you could argue no, like Brian Day's not recruiting these dudes. Like it's, it's okay. Brian Hartline for sure. So Brian Hartline is incredible I, I guess, at his job, the, the and one, I do not like him. <laughs> the one perk is like right. The the one perk for Ryan Day is like he Ryan Day brings in the quarterback, and so then it's a pretty easy sell. That's like, hey, I got an idea. Come play for you know C.J. Stroud. Come play for Justin Fields. Come play for you know whoever the yeah. next guy is going to be. Um, so, so from from that perspective, like it's it's not a hard sell to say like this guy's just going to teleport the ball to you. Come like do your thing. <laughs> That's fair. All right, uh, Kevin. We've we've done our top five list. I will briefly mention that the media uh, was uh, somehow CJ Stroud was the only unanimous choice by the media. Yeah, that's insane. But it's just it's completely wrong. ridiculous. All three Ohio State players should have been unanimous, and I do not enjoy saying that. Yeah. Um. They also chose Jaden Reed and Blake Corum. I said we weren't homers. Uh, we just chose other Michigan players. Uh, I do think Dante Dimas, <laughs> if he's healthy, uh, it makes a makes a pretty strong run at that list. Um, a few other guys that I wanted to mention uh, that I left out: uh, Dewan Jones, the right tackle for Ohio State, who's like by far the least heralded of like the recruits that they brought in, but is also like their best offensive lineman, um, and was a big reason that Thayer Munford moved inside last year. Uh, in the vein of guys coming back from injuries, uh, Tijuan Mullen of Indiana was a fantastic, like borderline all American level cornerback for them a couple years ago. Um, and then was hurt pretty much all last year. Uh, so if he's back to full strength, he's really excellent. Uh, Parker Washington has done a good job at Penn state. He was the number two behind Jahan Dotson last year, but Mm -hmm. could thrive in a number one role. And uh, Michigan brought in a Remington finalist as a transfer, uh, Olu Oluwatimi out of uh, Virginia. So he's, you know, obviously locked down the center job and uh, early reviews on him uh, sound pretty positive from spring. So, um, yeah, I would I would guess that uh, at least one of those guys ends up supplanting somebody on my list, but it won't be a Buckeye unless an injury happens. Um Kevin, where do where do we go right here? Where do we go wrong? And I would be curious to hear how you would rank the three Ohio State players. Yeah, I think you're pretty spot on. I I don't I have no idea who to put in that five spot. Like I think you you guys both made great arguments. Um, I I don't think there's anybody like out of any of the honorable mentions or anybody that you listed that would be very like you know profane to put in that five spot. Um, you know, I, I I think out of the two that you chose. I might like DJ Turner more, um, but like Ronnie Bell has the upside. So uh, that's, that's solid. I, I, I don't have any complaints about that. Um, I, I'm with you on Demas. That's who I'd put it for too. Um, 
the media didn't. I, I, I guess in my five spot, I might put uh, Jaden Reed. That yeah. might be my, my five spot. But I mean, it, it again, like any, there's like seven guys you could plug into that spot and it, it wouldn't be a problem. This um, podcast exists to hate on Michigan State and then pay very dearly for it. Right. Yeah. yeah I, I, I feel like that's coming for, that could be coming for Ohio State this year, but um, we'll see. Uh, and then I, I don't really, you could almost put these three guys in any any order too. I, I think it's safe to put Travion Henderson at three. Um, I think hilarious as it sounds like he had the, the worst season out of all the guys here, um, which is like incredible because I, I the dude like broke freshman records and I, you can't say enough about how good he was as a freshman. Um, but I, I, I think you're probably right. I, Ace has it perfectly or had it perfectly in his notes. Um, I mean, CJ Stroud's the number one overall pick in the draft next year. And then also Jackson Smith and Jacob is better than him. So, I, I mean, I, I, I think that's the correct order. Um, and, you know, you guys alluded to it. I think it's insane that but when you're doing this, you kind of have to look at past production. Like, that's the most honest way to do it. And it's insane that um, Jackson Smith and Jigba put up the numbers that he did last year with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave in the same offense. And you mentioned, like, everybody making a big deal about Jamison Williams transferring out. Like, I mean, that's why. Like, he, it wasn't, you know, it, it was it was Jackson Smith and Jigba in the slot and doing all of these things. Like, there just wasn't room for four receivers. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't think that I don't think that you could like possibly overstate how absurd last season was for Jackson Smith and Jigba. And he spent at least half the season is like not a wide receiver, the first wide receiver. Like I, I think we went into that season with like decidedly Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson were the primary targets ahead yeah. of him. And by the middle of the season, it's like, Oh, well this guy, he had 15 catches twice. He broke the Ohio state record for catches twice in a season. And, and if you look back at like, I looked at Ohio State's leading receiver in 2011 had 15 catches. So, my God. Jackson Smith and Jigba had 15 catches in a game twice last season. Yeah. So, like, I, 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 I just want like, to say, I really love the 2011 like, Ohio State team. Oh, it's amazing. I, yeah. What a, what a waterfall. Well, it, it's, it's amazing in, in hindsight, too, because it's just like stuck like right in there, like right in between. It's like, what? Some historian in like two hundred years is going to be trying to make sense of what the hell happened. Like <laughs> you can that season. There, there's, a rigged, there's a rigged raffle involved. There's there's so many things that, that you just can't, <laughs> can't even begin to unpack. Oh uh, my god! But I just I, uh, I, I'm just again looking at this and and just remembering like he he wasn't he wasn't wide receiver one. Right. Just especially at the yeah. front half of the season, that that just doesn't that just well, doesn't and, register in my brain. And so the, the thing here is like, you can, the, the big conversation is like, okay, well, what's it going to look like when, you know, Garrett Wilson and um, Chris Olave aren't like taking the pressure off of them in coverage. It's like, oh, you saw it. It was the Rose Bowl. That, that's what the Rose Bowl was. Like, that yeah, was, that it was, was exactly arguably, what the Rose Bowl was. Also, have, have you seen the recruiting after those guys? It's all five oh, yeah, stars. It's gonna <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fine. So like right. I I think it's just like really funny because I have seen that argument. It's like nah, he you know he put up those those numbers. It's crazy people who are making those arguments. So, um, but I I don't know. Like I it's... like I I I think that 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 argument like it 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 just doesn't make sense to me. Um, because if if you look at like that game when there's nothing you could do, there is nothing you could do to to slow him down. There is nothing you could like it. 
it got to the point where Utah knew exactly where the ball was going every single play, and there's nothing they could do. And so what makes you think that a, a team that was worthy of the Rose Bowl, you couldn't stop it, and like Arkansas State's going to, or um, any middling Big Ten team's going to stop it. So I, I, the numbers that he's going to put up this year are just going to be like absurd, like ungodly good. And I, I think that you're probably on the right track that like this could be what second time in three years that we have an Ohio State or a wide receiver with legitimate, you know, Heisman ca- or Heisman campaign. Cause I, I, I think, I don't think there's any way that he's not headed towards that if he stays healthy and stays in the offense and stuff like that. Yeah. It's yeah. hard to disagree there. And I mean, like the, the one thing I can see is like CJ Stroud winning the Heisman or coming very close to it while everybody agrees that he is the second best player in that offense. Um, just because that's how Heisman voting tends to play out. If it's at all close, yeah. they, they go with the quarterback and if they have and if voters decide they kind of have to, you know, uh, coalesce behind one of the Ohio State players. Uh, Stroud might win out just because, and he's also getting the preseason hype, it seems like, and the NFL draft hype. So I could see that making the difference, but I, I don't think, I would be surprised if we think anybody else is the best player on that offense at the end of the season than JSN. And, uh, and I think if there's a player who does stand out in that way, it might be Travion Anderson. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah, good. Love that. I think that's great. So, I think that's really, really good. And on that, uh, it, it, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Kevin. I, I was just gonna say it's amazing that guy gets lost in this offense, and like, there's a real chance that he gets lost in the offense like a lot of the season too. But I, I it, it's just because he, like, frankly, was one of the most talented freshman running backs I've ever seen at Ohio State, and that's like a, yes. you know, you've got like Maurice Barrett and Beanie Wells and um, you know J.K. Dobbins, like those sort of guys, and this dude walks in and like he the ceiling for him is like honestly like the best running back in Ohio State history and that includes you know multiple Heisman Trophy winners including a guy who won it twice (laughs) yeah yeah so so I I, like the fact that he's like decidedly third on this list is like insane yeah the 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 receiving potential is a lot why I didn't really add quorum to my list um I actually I I I think that that Donovan Edwards at least on the Michigan side is is going to have a little bit more upside there especially in the receiving game to be able to kind of have that and I do think that 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 makes a difference like having that short those like short yardage passes and and being able to do some of that stuff. Whereas Corm is now going to kind of have to take that role, which I think he's great at um, of just kind of of being more of like the, the just like I am on the ground doing these things because I don't want him catching footballs. I'm so sorry. Like it's, it, it makes me, it makes me a little nervous. So I do think that, that that'll be a nice combination I do think if we look at this kind of at the end of the year retrospectively, that that Edwards might be ahead of Corum on this list, um, even even or, though or at least cutting in and making it close to a fifty fifty share, where it's kind of tough to put one of these guys as a as a top five Big Ten player. I could exactly very much see that exactly because I do think that there, that there's value, especially like in thinking about kind of the next step of of. Um, beyond college football, kind of transitioning into the NFL, just having that versatility is really important. And I do think that 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 it's gonna gonna be more helpful to Edwards at this point. So, we'll I, see. I guess I guess if there's a, a silver lining here for Michigan fans, it's that uh, they beat the Ohio State team that had all of these guys last year. Um, That's right. So, That's correct. Yeah. What was the um, score? Do you want to say it again? It's uh, it was forty-one to something. Uh, forty-two to twenty. Forty-two, 42 to twenty-seven. 
yeah 4227 there there we go 4227 that's, that's what they've said um uh, yeah uh, uh, we're hearing it more and more uh <laughs> uh kevin Thank you for joining us. Uh, Thank and, you. And congratulations on being able to watch these guys and and be happy about it. <laughs> oh, I mean, you can choose to be happy about it too. It's your decision. I, can't. I really can't. I mean, I, <laughs> I know I, I know I can, but I can't. I can't even yell hockey school. We, yeah, I just right. screamed about that. I can't uh, even be like, oh, no, we're hockey school. No, we're we basketball. Basketball. We got softball. Oh, yeah, basketball. we're basketball, softball. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that works. On, on that wonderful note, uh, before, uh, you know, something seismic happens in the athletic department <laughs> we should probably uh sign off so uh i'll push it as soon as possible yeah uh let's uh you know meet us at meet at midfield.com and uh follow at meet at midfield um you can also follow this specific podcast at bucket problem and uh rate us review us uh use the promo code Meet at midfield at homefieldapparel.com. And if you can't tell, I have not updated my show notes. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> use the pro go bucket prob on points bet. Thank you for listening. Have a great week.